In the week behind us, everyone who's been receiving text messages from our lead pastor, Christian Andrews, has been spending time in the book of Psalms. This morning, I'm sitting down with Christian to talk through Psalm 77 and how our faith helps us face times of trouble. Christian, thank you for sending those out each morning this week. I know they've been really helpful to a lot of people. It's my pleasure. Thanks very much, Dave, for uh, having a conversation with me. I, I think this will be something new for us, but I'm really glad that we can sit down together and talk about the Psalms uh, with one another. You've been talking with a lot of people over the past few weeks and been hearing from others about what this is like. What are some of the things you've been hearing? I've been hearing an awful lot and a really wide range. Uh, it seems on the one hand that for every person, these past couple of weeks have been different. Uh, for some people, there's been some really positive things, you know, slowing down and not being as busy, not having as much time in a commute, spending more time with their family has been positive, uh, the ability to develop some new habits. There have been a number of folks who've shared that in the mornings they're spending more time praying, and these have been really positive things. But then on the other side, I think there's nobody who is not having a hard time. I think uh, every single person that I've talked to is in one way or another afraid for either themselves or family members. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, which is really hard for people too. And because of that, a lot of folks are feeling anxious because the future is not clear. And, and as time has been moving along, each day it seems like things are worse. And so that's a really bad feeling. And then, uh, you know, I think just about everybody I've t talked to is facing loss. And, and the losses are different, but for everyone, every one of us, we've lost things and we're losing things. And, and when you lose something, you have, you have to grieve. And that's not easy for people. So while on the one hand, there are some positive things for, for most of the folks I'm talking to, there's a mix of things that they've never experienced before. And that makes it really hard. Can you tell us a little bit about what this has been like for you personally? Yeah, I, I have a picture of what I want to be in my head. And I want to be confident and I want to be secure all the time and I don't want to feel afraid. And that's who I think I should be. And there have been elements of, of what we're experiencing that for me are positive. I've been able to restore more of a routine early in the morning, which is great. And, and I love spending time with my family in the afternoon. That's also great. But I have found that there are times where I feel sad and I feel grief and I feel frustration that I don't want to feel, but those feelings are in me and I don't like that. I, I imagine you have had your own sort of strange mix of experiences during this time. What's it been like for you? It's different. Initially, Callie and I were, were uh, faced with the challenge of homeschooling our kids, which is something we never thought we would do. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the challenge of, of work has changed, the pace of it, the routine has changed. Uh, working to bring services uh, to people in a very different way is, has been a new challenge. Also, interacting with my mom and dad more regularly, calling them more has been good. Um, my my dad was sick, presumably with the virus, and not being able to be around him has been hard. And my grandmother died last week, and that was hard to not be able to be near my family during that time. It's been a strange mix. Dave, I'm sorry to, to know that you've had to lose your grandmother without being able to grieve that with your family. That sounds horrible. It's been very, very weird. Yeah. I mean, sadly, many people are going to be experiencing that, and they are every day. 
in our country, we're facing a time that's unlike any other time. My father and mother lived down the street from someone who just came down with a virus, uh, just two doors away. And when I heard my first thought was, will my parents be safe? Mm. And I've never really thought about that like I have now, and I think most people will be. So it's a time of really widespread fear and worry and anxiety and concern, and that's different. We've talked about some emotional challenges that you've had in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what was it that got you through? Sure. No two seasons of life are the same, but there are threads that tie our experiences together. In 2015, I went through a time where work was not going as I'd hoped. I wasn't able to control the things that I wanted to. I had some really, really good relationships that came to an end, and that left me feeling really adrift. And I also was so concerned about the future and what was going to happen that I started to lose sleep. And I was anxious in a way that I hadn't been before. And for months, I was dealing with anxiety that would wake me up in the middle of the night. And it was, it was horrendous. And, and during that time, I sought counsel uh, from really trusted and wise uh, pastors. There were two in particular who were really helpful to me. I was praying every day that God would change the way I felt. And one of the pastors that I was talking to suggested that instead of praying for that, I ought to ask God to teach me what I could only learn in a time like I was in. And again, that time was different than the time that we're in, but I think his wisdom there is really good for us where we are now. There are so many things happening that we wish we could change, but we can't. And for us to ask God to help us learn what we can learn here, I think is, is a really wise thing to ask for. And what happened then as I was praying for God's uh, wisdom and for him to teach me, is that I returned to a pattern that I had developed years earlier, which was to read the Psalms every day. Uh, those are the prayers and the songs of the Bible. Those are the, the sort of emotional heart of Scripture. And, and I did that. I began to get up early in the morning and spend time day after day in a Psalm. And what happened then is I found that my heart was more open to God, and I was able to bring the things that I was feeling, which I didn't want to feel, right to God, even the, the feelings that I thought I shouldn't have because I'm a person of faith. And that included, in that time, fear and a bit of hopelessness too. And what God did through the Psalms for me was to help me realize that it's okay to feel whatever I'm feeling and also to remain hopeful in God because God is faithful always. And when I think of where folks are today, and I think of the people in our church who have shared their struggles with me, what I, what I hope for is that they would be able to benefit from that practice too. And that's why I sent texts from Psalms this week, is, is, is hoping that uh, that would be helpful to people where they are. And I want to talk about a Psalm with you this morning mm. to kind of show you how it is that Psalms teaches us to deal with what we're feeling. I wonder if you'd be willing to read Psalm 77. Mm. Uh, read the first two verses for us. Sure. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. So here are the words of a person of faith who believes uh, deeply in God's goodness and who is facing real trouble. And the trouble that he's facing is constant. 
as he describes it, he is seeking God in the day and in the night. And, and without wearying, uh, he's reaching out and crying out to God. So it's someone who's in a time of great distress, and what he's doing is he's, he's calling out to God. He's, he's praying to God. But as he describes it, even as he is tirelessly seeking God, his soul is not receiving any comfort at all. In verse 3, uh, he, he's even more specific in describing what's happening. Go ahead and read verse 3. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. Okay, what, what stands out to you about what happens for him when he thinks of God? Um, he's troubled when he thinks of God. I think of God and I moan. It's, it's not, uh, God is not a source of comfort right now. You'd expect maybe that since this is in the Bible, he would think of God and it would make him cheerful or make him feel confident or uh, he might say something like, I think of God, I meditate, and all my troubles go away. But here, it's not like that. Uh, even the thought of God is not bringing comfort right now, and instead of his soul sort of feeling strong, it's, it's fainting. And, and in verse 4, he explains why the thought of God doesn't help him. Listen to what he says in verse 4. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Uh, when you hear that description, what does it sound like? It sounds like someone who is not able to find the words to even describe their situation, but even in the first verse, you keep my eyelids from closing, it's like, like God's keeping him awake. Yeah, so in 2015, it was really the first time in my life I couldn't sleep, and, and that was horrible. Mm. I, I don't know, have you ever had trouble sleeping? Uh, yeah, these past few weeks have been hard. The, the stress and yeah. anxiety of everything that's going on is, has the tendency to keep me up. Right, so stress and anxiety is the physical manifestation of, of emotional trouble, and it keeps you up. And in this moment for this psalmist, even though he has deep faith, and even though he believes in God, and even though he's calling out to God, he's still finding that he can't sleep, and as it seems to him, it's God himself who's keeping him from getting rest. And that's a terrible combination, but that's where he is. Now, while he's awake, he's doing something. And in verses five and six, he describes what's happening to him while he's lying there restlessly. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Uh, he's describing what's happening while he's lying there. And do you see it in verse five, what he's up to? Remembering the good old days. Right. If I think back to just three or four weeks ago, it seems like forever ago. Yeah. But there were so many good things then that we just took for granted. It's put so much in perspective. Yeah. Just being able to go to the store. Right. To eat a meal with friends. All those things feel so much more valuable right now. Right, inviting friends over and, and not thinking twice or giving someone that you care about a hug <laughs> uh, or seeing a friend and not thinking, am I, too, am I standing too close? Right. And so he's remembering what it was like. And for sure, there are going to be folks right now who are overhearing our conversation who are remembering what it used to be like. Mm -hmm. There are people who are seniors in high school right now who are not getting to go 
and experience the, the end of their high school career and maybe won't get to graduate or who, who bought a prom dress and won't be able to use it. Or there are college students who won't get to walk or their sports season was ended even though it was going to be their best one mm -hmm. and, and they remember what it was like to be able to go and that's gone. There are physicians who remember what it was like to work in the hospital and not have to wonder, are there enough ventilators for the people who are going to need them? I had a conversation with a physician from our church who reached out to me to say, there are more patients than ventilators, and this is a life or death moment where doctors have to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. And here, he's remembering what it used to be like while he's lying awake, and and in verse 6, when he says, I commune with my heart in the night, and I meditate and I search my spirit, that's, that's a way of saying, I'm feeling exactly what's going on inside of me. And, and this is a first lesson for where we are that I think is really important for all of us to take to heart. It is that when, when things are really bad, and when we can remember how it used to be better, but now it's terrible, one of the things we must do is to pay attention to what's going on inside of our heart and to meditate and to commune with our own spirits and know what am I actually feeling? Because if we don't do that, what happens is all of those negative things build up inside of us and then we can be in real trouble. But, but he's exemplary in this moment, the psalmist, to show us the wisdom of paying attention to what we're feeling. And, and this is true. We, we have to learn to let ourselves feel whatever we're feeling. Because what's going to happen, especially for people of faith, and especially as things get worse, is that we're gonna feel things that we wish we didn't. But if we're feeling them, we have to be where we are. What happens next in the Psalm is out of these feelings emerge a handful of questions. Mm -hmm. And they're questions that the Psalmist has about God himself. And I've noticed this too in my conversations with folks. Uh, what we're going through have raised questions about who God is and what God is like and where God is in all of this and what God's character is. If this is happening, why? And for the psalmist, uh, there are a similar set of questions which come up. And, and, and beneath each one, there's a feeling. And I want to try this, Dave. Uh, would you be willing to read the first question in verse 7? There are five altogether. Uh, read the first one, and then let's see if we can get at what the feeling is beneath that question. Okay. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Okay. This is a question from someone who was accustomed to feeling God's favor. So in his, in his life, he was used to feeling that God was there for him and favored him. But now he feels spurned. By God. And to, to spurn means to turn away from with contempt or disdain. So imagine that was your experience and you were asking, uh, is this going to happen forever? What feeling would you imagine was in you if you were asking that? Uh, a feeling of abandonment or uh, rejection. Okay. H have you ever experienced that in a relationship, feeling abandoned or rejected? Uh, sure. Yeah, I uh, can recall a time when I was close to someone and it ended abruptly. And that kind of feeling of loneliness and abandonment 
that was a kind of heartache I never experienced before. Can you recall a physical feeling? It, it literally ached. It hurt in my chest. Right. It hurt in my whole body. Yeah. Um, I remember feeling uh, like I didn't want to do anything. I felt kind of lost. When, when I lived through rejection, and for me it was some close friends, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I felt like I was having a heart attack. My, my chest would be so tight. It was horrible. And the psalmist is, is asking, has God rejected me and taken away his favor forever? Uh, that's a feeling that's horrible, but he's able to be honest about what he's feeling through his question. L let's look at the second one. Uh, read verse 8, the first half of verse 8. Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Okay, God's steadfast love is one of the characteristics and qualities of his that comes up most, especially in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. Uh, over and over again, not only the psalmist, but, but also uh, the prophets, they speak about God's steadfast love. Mm -hmm. that, that is, that can be counted on, and that it can be relied on. It's, it's completely trustworthy, his love. And, and here he's asking, has that ceased forever, God's love? Uh, what kind of feeling can you hear beneath that question? Uncertainty about, about who God is and, and what the future is and what, what that relationship even meant in the first place? Okay, right, right. Like I, I knew in the past that I was beloved, but I thought I would always be, but not anymore maybe. But the psalmist is wondering if God has stopped loving him. And the heartbreak that would come along with that would be earth-shaking, mm. especially for someone like him whose whole life was really uh, strengthened and built on this belief that he was the one who God loved. And, and, and for many of us who have faith, we believe this, that God loves us. And Jesus himself especially demonstrates this to us. But imagine feeling like maybe God doesn't love me and his love will never come back. Hmm. And that's what I hear in the second question. Let's look at the third question. It's also in verse 8. Are his promises at an end for all time? We know that the psalmist had confidence in God's promises because throughout the book of Psalms, there are many divine promises which are shared. Try for a moment to think of, uh, of a promise that comes from God that, that is encouraging to you. Can, can, do any come to mind? Um, that he loves us. Okay. That he is always with us. Okay. Um, that he... He forgives us, that he uh, accepts us as his own, that he keeps us safe. Yeah, that especially in the book of Psalms over and over again, uh, the promise that God will protect uh, his people, that, that his beloved will be guarded, that he'll put his angels around them to keep them safe. We've, we've heard these promises uh, in our services together. You, you sing about mm -hmm. them, you, you yeah. lead us in singing about them. And, and here, it suddenly occurs to him that maybe those promises are not true, and they're not going to be true ever again. Mm. 
When, when I imagine that, I, I picture a, a feeling of hopelessness because hope is rooted in trusting God's promises for the future. But now he's wondering if they're not going to be true anymore. They're at an end. And so here, not only is he feeling rejected and heartbroken, but maybe also hopeless, mm. that the future is not going to be any better. And, and that's a, a feeling right now that a lot of folks are struggling with, especially as uh, the news reports get more and more bleak. And I think in the weeks ahead of us, it's going to be a struggle for a lot of people to feel like that. Mm. Um, let's look at the fourth question, which comes down in verse 9. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Try to put yourself in that position of wondering if maybe the reason you're not receiving God's grace is he's just forgotten. To not be important anymore. Right. To not even be worth the, the effort to be remembered by God. Right, right, right. You forget things that don't matter. And here he's wondering, maybe that's it. Maybe I don't matter to God. Maybe the reason I'm not receiving grace is because I'm not as important to him as I used to be or as I thought I was. It's a dreadful thing to feel. Mm. Uh, let's look at the fifth one, and that's in the second half of verse 9. Go ahead and read that. Has he in anger shut up his compassion? So God's compassion is the mercy and tenderness of God. And that also is a characteristic that's repeated over and over again in Psalms and in the prophets, that God, God's love is steadfast and his compassion and his mercy are always there for us. But, but now maybe, he's thinking, maybe God has closed up his compassion. It's dried up like a river where there's no more water running. And did you notice why maybe he thinks it's been closed up? Yeah, he says, has he done that? out of anger. Right. What, what would you be feeling if you were wondering about that in that way? If the God who created heaven and earth is angry with me, yeah. um, that would feel scary. I'm sure he's feeling really afraid. Those five questions of his uh, reveal a set of feelings which you would not expect a person of faith to have, mm. but he has them. And, and in verse 10, he actually shares what he thinks based on these feelings. Listen to verse 10. And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. So he's saying, this is all of what I'm feeling. And the reason for my grief, he shares, is that God has changed. What? What do you think of when you imagine that? That God maybe has changed? Mm. Um, I feel unstable. There's a lot of instability in that um, because God's the one who's supposed to be trustworthy. And, and also supposed to be the same and unchanging. Right. 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 So if we pause here, there's a second lesson. And it is that the kind of God that we believe in is able to receive from us thoughts and feelings which don't fit with our faith. Mm. And that's really important too. Mm. God hasn't changed. He, he thinks that the reason he's suffering is because God has changed, but God doesn't change. God's 
Mercy is new for us every morning. His steadfast love will never go away. His promises are completely trustworthy. They will never be retracted. Nothing will ever happen that can make it so God decides to stop loving us. We matter to God now more than we could ever imagine, and we always will. And there will never be a time where God's going to decide to change that. And that's true. That's the God that we believe in, and we know that that is true. Jesus shows us that's who God is. But in the moments where it's so hard we can't sleep and our hearts are twisted up feeling the worst things that we could ever feel, mm. what God is ready for is, is for us to come and tell him exactly what we're feeling and, and even what we're thinking about him. And that's where this second lesson is so profound. This is a person of faith sharing these negative feelings about God with God. It's comforting in a way to read this and know that Everything we're experiencing now is unlike anything before, and it can have the tendency to change our view of God, or at least raise the questions of, you know, where is God in all this, and what is, what is happening? And it brings up questions and a lot of conversations that I've had about our faith and yeah. who God is. But there is comfort in reading these ancient writings thousands of years ago, and then for it to still feel relevant to be asking these questions yes. today is actually really comforting. Right. I'm glad you shared that. It's both relevant and it's also a step of faith. Faith shares questions with God which feel unfaithful. Mm. And, and the reason we can do that is because of who God is. And God is the one who is committed to us even in the moments where we feel like our commitment to him is wavering because of the trouble we're in. And that's what's happening here. The trouble is so profound, he's beginning to believe that maybe God's not good, and, and he's able to share that, and that's a step of faith. Hmm. There's a third lesson in what happens next, which I think is also really critical, okay? And I wanna say this up front. No matter how bleak it gets, faith can go on hoping because God is trustworthy even when it feels like he's not. Go ahead and read verses 11 and 12 and pay attention to what his strategy is uh, coming out of these feelings. Go ahead. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Hmm. The writer is remembering. Right remembering everything that was great about what God did, every, yeah. everything great about him, his work, um, the accomplishments, and, and finding comfort in, in remembering the goodness of God. Right. Four different verbs, and this is what a good poet does, to capture his decision and his strategy while he's there in the night. He, he calls to mind. It's very active. Like, it's as if he's inviting memories into this sort of mental space that right now is just filled with anguish. Mm -hmm. uh, remembering uh, the wonders that had come before. Meditating, like, that's a very intentional decision to call back again and again and remember over and over, and then musing on God's mighty deeds. So, so this is a strategy. If, if the present is particularly bleak, Think back to the light that, that you knew back then. Mm. Uh, try this with me right now. 
Can you call to mind some good thing which you experienced from God? Hmm. Maybe the best thing. Maybe there's a moment where God did something and for you it felt almost miraculous. Can you think of something like that? Sure. What is it? Um, I remember when uh, our first uh, child was born. Uh, the moment when she was born and looked right at me. Um, in that moment, I felt a love for someone else for no reason. I'd never experienced that before. And to have that miracle happen and for me to be able to feel that love helped me, I think, even see how God loves me yeah. for no reason, just because we're his. That was for me. That was a gift to me. Not just the gift of, of the child, but to understand a little more of how God sees me. You know the expression, the apple of my eye? Mm. That comes from Psalms. Wow. I can think of other moments more, more recently where God's closeness was so apparent. I think of times where you and I are leading in worship together, and God is so plainly moving in people's hearts and it's so obvious that he's there and and what the psalmist is teaching us here is that when the present will tempt you with with despair and hopelessness and the feeling that you've been rejected by God that it is your responsibility as a person of faith to call to mind God's deeds of old mm -hmm. the psalmist goes on to recount God's deliverance of his people from oppression when they were captives in Egypt mm. and God was faithful then and he took his people out of that oppression and he made a way where there was no way at all. He opened the, the waters for them through the sea and uh, he made a path for them through the waters and they were delivered and that's, mm. that's what happened in their past and here we're invited to call to mind what God has done that is good for us in the past and everyone who is overhearing our conversation right now, will have some good thing in the past, which God has done. And, and, and even this morning, it would be good for them to take a moment and bring that to mind. Mm. Uh, to think about the good that has come from the hand of the Lord to them. And that's a strategy that the psalmist teaches us for those sleepless nights and for those moments where we're feeling what we wish we didn't, it is to let ourselves feel whatever we feel, to bring those feelings and those questions to God, whatever they are, and then to allow ourselves to remember what God has done in the past, and then based on that, trust that God will be faithful in the future. Hmm. Now, we have something that the psalmist didn't have. We have the presence of God in Christ. It's... Palm Sunday, a lot of churches are celebrating Palm Sunday this morning. Right. Uh, it strikes me that none of them are celebrating it together. And that's a strange thing to imagine. Yeah, it's weird to not be together during a, what's supposed to be such a, a celebratory time. Yeah, the church has, has always celebrated this particular Sunday in preparation for what for Christians is at the very heart of our faith, which mm -hmm. is that Jesus himself suffered. Uh, the heart of our faith is that it was the death of Christ for us 
that enables us to be connected to God in a way that would have otherwise been completely impossible, that we are adopted as his sons and his daughters by the choice that God made in Christ to come and to experience the same kind of hopeless experiences that we ourselves live through. The author of Hebrews puts it very plainly that, that Christ became like us in every way except for sin, so that, this is a magnificent, so that he can actually help us when we ourselves are struggling. Mm. And so if we imagine ourselves where the disciples were going into the city, believing Jesus is finally going to establish his kingdom, and instead of it happening as they expected, they have to see him arrested and tried. They observe Jesus being mocked and tortured and nailed to a cross. And in that moment, they would have been experiencing the same kinds of questions that we hear from the psalmist. They would have been thinking, maybe it was wrong to put our hope in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Maybe God's not trustworthy like we thought. Mm. Maybe God has forgotten about us, really, and we're just seeing proof of it here. All of those feelings would have been in their heads. And, and there have been and there will be experiences for us in the days and the weeks ahead which are going to bring the same thoughts into our mind. Right. There's, there's a road ahead of us still. Yes. Now, when Jesus is there on the cross, uh, what he does in effect, is just what we see the psalmist doing in Psalm 77. Th this is remarkable. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, while Jesus is uh, hanging on the cross and before he dies, there is a saying of his which is recorded, and it's only recorded in Matthew, but it would have been shocking for the disciples to hear him say this. I'll read from verse 45. It says, from noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. I think that's a, a natural manifestation of what's happening in everybody's hearts. They're becoming more and more dark. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, if I were there, I might have been shocked to hear Jesus express the feeling that God had forsaken him, mm. especially if I had learned to trust him. But he's doing something exemplary there. He's actually quoting a psalm. Mm. That's Psalm 22, verse 1. He is showing, in effect, the disciples what faith does when it experiences darkness as bleak as what seems to be happening there on the cross, which mm -hmm. is not to hold back and to, to say to God exactly what you're feeling. Do you see that? Yeah. So in effect, he's doing what the psalmist did in Psalm 77, which is sharing exactly what he's feeling and directing those feelings to God, even though they seem to be feelings that don't fit with faith, which is, why have you forsaken me? Uh, the, the way that Psalm 22 concludes is instructive also here because the psalm starts with that bleak feeling of abandonment but it ends with an assurance that there will be a day when every single person sees that God's goodness is stronger than every darkness the world will ever experience 
And, and this is what's so magnificent about the crucifixion. It is an act of God's love in which God experiences death and God-forsakenness on behalf of the world he loves so much that he will never abandon it. And of course, Easter is the moment when we see that God has fought and overcome death. And that also is something for every one of us to hope in, to look back on the life that we've experienced before. Maybe it's the birth of our children. Maybe uh, it's something very different than that for, for another person. But to believe that God is the God of life and that the light which God is will shine brighter even as the land becomes darker, and to trust that, even if it doesn't feel like it, and to know that there will be a day when every single tear is wiped away for good by God's own hand, and to believe and trust that every single grief by God's grace will be turned into joy and laughter, and that every single loss that anyone has to live through will be redeemed by God's grace and restored. And, and, and at Easter, we can think about that more deeply. But for this morning, we, we need every one of us to take away uh, from this time in, in the book of Psalms, and even from Jesus' example, that whatever we are feeling, we have to let ourselves feel it. And, and then whatever we're feeling or thinking, we should bring it to God, because God can and will accept us no matter what we are feeling or thinking. And then to choose what faith chooses, which is to remember God's goodness in the past and trust in his goodness in the future and forever. Dave, I want to thank you for uh, spending time with me in the Bible like this and, and for sharing your thoughts and uh, thinking through uh, this psalm with me and with us. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you for helping us to see how the psalm shows us how we can process our feelings and bring them to God and be honest with, with ourselves and honest to God in how we feel. It's my pleasure. I'm so glad that we could sit like this. This is different. We've never done this before. Yeah. And I'm grateful for it because I trust that God will use this to help folks who are overhearing our conversation in a way that they wouldn't have been helped if it were just me talking. And, and you did that, so thank you. I also wonder, would it be okay if I pray for you now? Yeah, that'd be great. All right, let's do that. Thanks. Uh, God, I'm so thankful for Dave and for the gift it has been for me to be in ministry in a church with him. I thank you for the way he leads us in worship. I thank you for the way that he uses his gifts to bless so many people. I thank you for his faithfulness and his honesty, his integrity, and for the way that he leads with such kindness and grace. I thank you, especially this morning, for his family and for the way that the birth of each of his children has helped him know your love more profoundly. God, each one of us has family members who we wish we could be close to, but we can't. Would you hear us as we bring them to mind right now silently? God, we ask that you would bless and protect each and every person who we love. Help us trust you, even, even in the days ahead. We love you in Jesus' name.